Don't hurt me. Don't malign me. Don't leave me to die. Don't pretend that I don't exist. See me. Help me. Let me know that I am a person. Show me I have value. That's what he was pleading for in his cry for mercy. For those who'd walk past him day after day, mercy could be hard to give because mercy is hard work. To give mercy means that you must acknowledge that a problem exists in the first place and that you also have the power to help. To give mercy means that you might be uncomfortable with what is presented before you. To have mercy means you might need to sacrifice something that was, is within your own right to have in order to make sure that someone else is cared for, protected, during the time that you are together. So for a man on the side of the road pleading for mercy, it is easier to ignore him, pretend he isn't there, walk right by and leave him to be someone else's problem. And day after day, that's what the people on their way in and out of Jericho would do, because that's what humans tend to do. That's what sinful humans tend to do to those around us. We don't want to be confronted with weakness and sin in the world. We don't want to have to deal with those that make us uncomfortable. We don't want to have to consider the responsibility we might have to help the weakest and most vulnerable of our neighbors. It's easier to walk on by and ignore the problem. This isn't just an individual problem. It's not a problem limited to time or place. It's a sinful humanity problem. So much so that local governments will hire consultants and professionals whose whole job it is to work to try and hide the unwanted people from our eyes, to protect our sensibilities from being affronted by the destitute of the world, those who might assault our senses, to protect us from having to admit that many of us we're only a few bad decisions, a few bad events, from joining the throng on the side of the road, crying out, have mercy on me to all those who walk past. I was reminded of this as I read an article from the New York Times this week, written by Jonathan Lee. He wrote an article called, The Park Bench is an Endangered Species. In the article, the author was reflecting on the changing nature of public space in American culture, how public spaces are being redesigned in order to discourage what polite society has termed antisocial behavior. In other words, the people and activities we wouldn't want to interact with. And there's a whole subset of this field of study called the study of hostile architecture, where the whole goal of this type of architecture is to redesign urban areas in a way that would deter people from gathering, loitering, or doing other things that people might not like by making it hard to stay in one place too long. Park benches was what Lee was looking at, and how in many city park benches are no longer designed to be a comfortable place for you to sit and rest or relax or engage with those around you. Instead, they're becoming so that they are designed to keep you from staying there too long. So they won't have a back for you to lean against. They'll just be a bench to sit on. Or they have too many armrests to prevent you from lying down. 
or they're arranged at such an angle that they're just uncomfortable to sit on. He points out that in some Chinese parks, they've begin, begun to charge for the privilege of sitting on a bench, and when your time is up, little wooden spikes start to come out of the seat to move you on your way. It's not just park benches. Spaces have been redesigned to prevent young people from gathering together. Public steps moving through a public space will often have little bumps on them that look like they're designed there to be there for traction, but it just makes them hard to sit on. Companies are getting in on the game. Just last week it was announced that there is a new type of toilet that has been patented, designed to be installed at just such an angle that after more than five minutes of sitting on it, it becomes uncomfortable for your muscles to remain in that position so that you can be kept from keeping unapproved breaks during the day to disappear and play on your phone. When we see those sitting on the road, crying out for help, pleading for mercy, how often is our response not asking what they need, but instead, how can we move them on their way? But if we're honest, we know that mercy is what they need. Because we need mercy. We know that we need God to recognize the power imbalance between him and us and not use it for our punishment that we deserve, but instead to withhold that punishment and respond with compassion and grace. That's why we begin the service pleading for mercy. We cry out that God would bring peace and salvation to his people, that his mercy would bring peace into the world and unity among people, that his mercy would be given to those who gather in this place as we come together to cry out, Lord, have mercy, because mercy is what we need. Like the blind man on the road crying out, pleading for compassion and forgiveness from Jesus, we cry out for it as well. We don't deserve it, but we join the song asking for compassion and forgiveness because that is what we need. Time and again, we've squandered God's grace, the mercy he has shown to his people. We've taken his forgiveness for granted and counted his mercy as nothing. But when we look in the world and see the people around us, when we look in our own lives, we see we have to come back and plead for mercy again because mercy is what those who are overlooked, left behind, embarrassed and ashamed by what they've done, at wit's end about what to do next. Mercy is what we all need. So you cry for mercy, and then you hear the good news of Jesus, that he's stopped. He's heard your cry, and he said, Call him to me so that he can look at you and say, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus hears our cry for mercy, and he responds with the exact kind of mercy that we need, a mercy of healing, a mercy of grace, a mercy of forgiveness given to you. He tells us, come 
and make this plea again because you see god has instructed us to be in this constant plea for his grace and mercy he tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and we are his true children so with all boldness and confidence we may ask him as dear children ask their dear father because god wants us to come for to him for the mercy we need he tells us to be like that blind man on the side of the road pleading for what we need because he has promised he will hear that prayer and he will respond with what we need god will not look past his people he will not redesign our world in order to move us along and keep us out of the way he will not dismiss us from his polite society so that others can be comfortable no, he will do as he's promised to do and he will hear your plea and grant your grace he will give you the compassion and forgiveness that you need in order to have life and salvation. This is what he does, and he gives it to you through his son. Jesus healed that blind man and promises that he will heal you as well. And Jeremiah gives us a beautiful picture of that promise in our Old Testament reading for, day, for today. He speaks of Israel returning to the promised land, and he shares this promise from God. I will gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant women and she who is in labor. Together a great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble, for I am the Father of Israel. God promises that he will not walk past any one of you crying out for mercy, but he will hear your prayer and gather those that have remained unseen in order to lead you to his kingdom. So go ahead and call out to God and plead for his mercy. He knows you by name and he will hear your prayer and he will respond. God does not stand idly by ignoring your cry. No, he sent his son into this world so that through his death and resurrection you could be given life, grace, and mercy. And he has promised that full healing will come to you on the day of the resurrection of the dead and life everlasting. He has promised that peace will reign on this earth in his new creation. And he has had mercy on you, his children, and will continue to have mercy all the days of your life. Cry out to his care. Reach out to him in your plea. And take heart, for he has promised to hear your cry. He has already called you by name and had mercy when you need it the most. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.